in a distant and second-hand set of dimensions, in an astral plane that was never meant to fly, the curling star mists waver and part. See, great Atuin the turtle comes, swimming slowly through the interstellar gulf, hydrogen frost on his ponderous limbs, his huge and ancient shell pocked with meteor craters. Through sea-sized eyes that are crusted with room and asteroid dust, he stares fixedly at the destination. In a brain bigger than a city, with geological slowness, he thinks only of the weight. Most of the weight is of course accounted for by Beryllia, Tubul, Great Tithon, and Jerakim, the four giant elephants upon whose broad and star-tanned shoulders the disk of the world rests garlanded by the long waterfall at its vast circumference and domed by the baby blue vault of heaven. Astropsychology has been, as yet, unable to establish what they think about. The great turtle was a mere hypothesis until the day the small and secretive kingdom of Krull, whose rimmost mountains project out over the rimfall, built a gantry and pulley arrangement at the tip of the most precipitous crag and lowered several observers over the edge in a quartz-windowed brass vessel to peer through the mist veils. This is Dark and Stormy Nights, the podcast where we read the first page, and only the first page, of every novel ever written. I'm your host, Ben Blackberg, And I'm your other host, Finn LeBate. And tonight, our book is The Color of Magic, by Terry Pratchett, published in 1983. And our guest tonight is Yichao. Hello. Hi. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. Glad to be back. Or depending on the order of episodes, uh, Mm. welcome. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Glad to be here for the very first time. (laughs) So how familiar are... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, that, that's the question. That's yeah. going to be the question. <laughs> How familiar are y'all with the works of Terry Pratchett? So here is my greatest confession as an English major, as a writer, as a nerd. I have never read Terry Pratchett. That is my great confession. If it helps, the reason that we're doing this tonight is because I fast tracked it because on an early episode, Ben mentioned never having read them. I was like, oh, hmm. no, I never read this one. Hmm. I've read like two or three. This one specifically. Yeah, yeah. I have read none of them. Somehow, I I missed the Pratchett. I missed it till pretty late too. So okay, yeah. Like that, there was definitely I, like basically from about fourth grade until like junior year of high school, where classes got really busy. I just like devoured fantasy and sci-fi, and somehow in all the stuff that I've read, and I've read some random schlocky bad stuff too in there, mm-hmm. I somehow missed Terry Pratchett. All together, you know, like just, yeah, missed it somehow. But should, should we do a quick round robin of our uh, greatest uh, confessions <laughs> uh, and then bury this episode somewhere? <laughs> Excellent. Well, I've, I've opened with one of mine. Uh, if you guys want to. I said, like, as a nerd, I, I've, I've never bought a Magic the Gathering card. Uh, I've, played, I've played a few games. Okay. But like, never, never bought one. Considering my present employment uh i am sad you have never contributed to my paycheck so shame on you (laughs) it's funny because i wonder if like maybe part of my uh avoidance of pratchett uh is somehow linked in like Mm. like i i i wonder if i thought like oh like fantasy is serious business 
And like Terry Pratchett is making fun of like mm. the serious business of this. And like Magic the Gathering is distracting people from the serious business of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, <laughs> the irony of that statement is that was literally the uh, the assignment for um, for the creator of Magic. The challenge was, can you make me a game that I can play while I'm waiting in line for these D&D conventions and this like <laughs> this tabletop role playing? Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like part of the impetus for the creation of magic so you your your instincts were correct they are <laughs> literally it was literally originally a distraction but speaking <laughs> of we're distracted from our current topic but that's that's an excellent confession yeah, right? yeah. Like but I, I mean i think that also points out something else that like like terry pratchett uh may have some some issues and be poking some fun at fantasy but like he also obviously loves it. Right. In the same way that, like, the makers of Magic the Gathering were not setting out to destroy TSR. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, they, the, they themselves had uh, a love for it and also kept, like, trading people, uh, I think. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I have to check the history again. But Yeah. I mean, it might be too pat to say that Terry Pratchett is to fantasy as Douglas Adams is to science fiction, hmm. but uh, it's not wrong. Like, there's both parody and deep, deep affection in the way that they address their genres. Yeah. I think like, no, so, so I think the challenge of reading this page is it's impossible for me to read it sans some like context and expectation. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because my, so my honest take, Oh wait, wait, before we get there, then what is your, your secret, your, oh. your confession? <laughs> All has got out free here. <laughs> well, th- this is tough because like half of the episodes of this show are me being like, oh yeah, I actually haven't seen that. I actually read that. <laughs> um, like I haven't seen who framed Roger Rabbit, oh. but we already said that one. So I have to think of something else now. Um, well, boy. Perhaps as you're conjuring it, uh, we'll, we'll circle, circle back to you so you're not on the spot. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, the thing I wanted to say uh, in terms of my first impressions on this page, you know, again, imp- almost impossible to try to read it sans uh, context and expectation. But for myself, uh, and I think knowing that, you know, knowing that Pratchett is like poking fun and a lot of his stuff is like kind of like parodying fantasies, to, like, you know, tropes. Uh, Everything I dislike is like heavily in this page or a lot of my pet peeves are like all over this page that I'm just like, if I pick this up, not knowing anything, I'm probably like, oh, no, and put it back down. Um, And for example, uh, I have one of my key pet peeves in fantasy is what I call proper noun dump when I don't know how to convey it's a fantastical world, Mm -hmm. right? Where it's just like, ah, oh, yes, in the city of Cablablado, where where the bloody blah people do the bloom bloom thing, and you're like, I, I just like, you know, I, I think in contrast to, um, you know, something that is a, just like really able to tightly and concisely get exposition out in a way that feels smooth and organic, like I think a lot of fantasy, especially early writer fantasy, and I know like you know a lot of fan fiction falls into the trap of like, I've got to name all my names. I'm going to name all my cities. When this, in this opening page, we're going to talk about Borrelia, Tubal, Great Thafon, and Jerakeen, uh, but like never explain what that is. And uh, also, you know, right, like there's unexpected capitalizations of words that are important words, you know, like the weight, the destination, right? The great Atuin, the turtle. And I think like for me, I have to, again, this is personal taste at this point, but I'm like, Stomach the natural like 
turned offness of it. And, and I'm sure there's a great story behind it. Um, but again, knowing what I know about passion of like, oh, is this done with intention to kind of like highlight and put fun of that? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's definitely the like, uh, I, I, I think I would agree with like, especially like the beginning writer, which is like all of us at one point, right? Where you, you right. like, usually you're like, well, I can't say usually. I'll say for for myself and for many people, I think I was probably like activated by like one or two books. And then I was like, yes. okay, this is what a book is, right? Right, mm-hmm. right. And especially like if you are in fantasy, then like the chances are that like at some point someone said like, oh, you have to read Tolkien. And then you thought, okay, yep. to write a fantasy novel, I have to make a map, language, <laughs> yep. uh, and then I have to tell people all about it. Yes. And it's like, no, like... You can do those first two things. If my description isn't 18 pages out of a 28-page chapter, I'm failing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if I, if I don't stop the action to tell you about how this vowel <laughs> shifted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the other thing that this uh, first page does that, again, just per- pure personal taste, uh, it, I'm not a, as a huge fan of, is this, it's starting from the mythic right it's starting from uh once upon a time there was a world and let me describe the basic foundational principles of this world and then eventually maybe after you know it's kind of to me it's a little bit akin to someone's like oh i have this idea and they start describing their whole world building to you and you're like cool what's the story and they're like oh we'll get there right um it's not my favorite way into a fantasy setting or into a a, a narrative Uh, i think for, for my, again, just per, pure personal taste, I think starting with character and uh, momentum of uh, events or relationships, and then allowing us to discover the world as they encounter it, things that are blasé to them that are interesting to us, and, you know, like, blah, et cetera, et cetera. Like, for me, is a, a, a tactic that I in, tend to enjoy more. And so, again, here we are starting immediately, like, you know, uh, that said... Uh, I, I do really appreciate some of the poeticism and like clear like writing craft that Pratchett, you know, like effortlessly weaves in, right? Like even little details like in a distant and secondhand set of dimensions, like mm. secondhand is such a fun and interesting choice there, yeah. right? And in, in an astral plane that was never meant to fly, what? right? Uh, so like he creates a lot of interest, uh, even in an opener that is not typically my favorite. But yeah, again, uh, I'm just like, oh, I'm bombarded by all the things I don't love it, from an author that I'm like, I've been meaning to read this guy and I need to do it. And I was like, huh, fascinating. Interesting. So, yeah, I love secondhand set of dimensions because I'm a sucker for an incongruous adjective. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's a surprising one, right? And gets you thinking what that means. That's definitely, I think, the, the point on this page where he most uh, resembles Douglas Adams. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of funny that it kind of starts with this, like, uh, you know, a distant and secondhand set of dimensions. And then, you know, like, that's kind of like curious and like not to, to, to my ear. Like, it, it kind of sounds a little like, like a little winky. Like, he's just like, don't take this too seriously. Right, right. Yeah, playful. But then immediately, you know, great Atun, you know, and I, I'm glad, <laughs> Vin, you read this because like, there, there's a moment where I was like, I don't know how to pronounce these things. <laughs> and I don't know if I like pronounce them wrong. It'll be an issue uh, with, with a capital I. Like, yeah, like it's safe to assume that my pronunciations are canon because I'm usually correct. <laughs> uh, but it's like it's so, and like maybe there's moments of like 
Like this isn't just fantasy when we hear about like the hydrogen frost on the turtle's limbs, but like Mm, I love the hydrogen frost. But so much of this is just it's like it's it's that like yeah, that 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 wonder of the unbelievable. Like, oh my gosh, like a brain bigger than a city, sea sized eyes, which is also very hard to say. Like, there's just something about this that I, I think would not... It, it is kind of funny because, of course, like you said, like, we go into this with so much about Pratchett, like, uh, especially in this year, uh, when, like, we've just had a Good Omens TV show, mm. uh, you know, based on a book he co-wrote, and as well as uh, a few Twitter uh, dust-ups mm. about uh, what what the late uh, Terry Pratchett would have thought about things. Uh, right. Which we can get into because it's... <laughs> it's it's both infuriating and confusing to me. <laughs> yeah. But like of all the people who you're like, he's on my side. Like <laughs> anyway, okay. Mm. Yeah. 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 I think in addition to the the content of the page itself and even just the context of Pratchett, his series, his books, um, you know, like this page very much calls exactly what you were just saying, calls to mind a lot of thoughts about how texts can or can't be taken out of the context in which they are written, out of the context of the present moment, authorial intent versus interpretation, right? Like, there's just so much of that around this, like, around Pratchett's work at this point, Mm. Um, which I think, you know, we were joking about, oh, do we read the full book after reading the page? And I'm like, oh, this is actually a really good reminder for me. Maybe this is a good time to finally break my (laughs) Terry Pratchett drought and uh, dig in and see what's what's here because um in the current context it's definitely an interesting time i think to kind of explore some of his writing mm-hmm. and like something uh i sort of like my brain just tangentially wandered off on is like we mentioned like the way that hydrogen frost sort of runs kind of askew of the genre that you expect like one of the things that that i think Prejudice is most notable for is thinking about the implications of fantasy you know in this particular case what happens when a giant thing is moving through space but also like a lot of the personal and human implications uh which are less evident in this book than in a lot of later ones but still not unpresent i think it's always interesting to me this weird like and rather arbitrary division between science fiction and fantasy Mm -hmm. right because i think uh you know, on its surface, it seems self-apparent, right? Like, oh, one is set usually typically in the future, more technology-driven, and the other is like, oh, set in another timeline, magic, blah, blah, blah. But I think like both, there are a lot of intersections and crosses that are really interesting. And I think like things that sit in that uh, space between is really interesting to me, like like what we're calling out here with, you know, meteor craters, hydrogen frost, it is a flat world, right? Like, uh, you know, that we're suggesting here. There's elephants riding a giant turtle in space. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also astropsychology, right? Like, so this blending of science fiction, science, like schools of science with mixed with this fantastical setting, right? So like the the intersection of that, the genres there, I think is really interesting um, and, and, and uh, a rich space to explore. Yeah, like I love astropsychology because like it's such an interesting way to sort of mash those concepts together. Like when you're talking about a world that definitively is on the back of a thing that's living and you realize that you have to think about what that thing thinks. Mm -hmm. 
And it's really interesting to just see that distilled into a word. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I think it's funny because like as a page, this does not draw me in. Hmm. And yet there are there are things here that kind of stick out that like, oh, like, that's interesting. You know, like the secondhand set of dimensions, the hydrogen frost. The one thing that I just want to make sure I, I, I get on record uh, is that like, in the, oh, it's hard to tell, whatever paragraph, when uh, the narrator talks about the elephants and mm. the disc of the world, like that image of like the disc of the world garlanded by the long waterfall at its vast circumference. And so it's like, it has that, that, that moment of, you know, when you're thinking like, so wait, people used to think that the world was flat and like, what happens at the edge? You're like, oh, the water just f- flows off. And so now I'm just like picturing that, but also the word garlanded has a, a very, uh, like attractive and decorative uh, sense to to me. Mm-hmm. Like it's something that's like it's not just like oh this is a weird idea, but like oh there's something pretty here, uh, which is then kind of undercut for me a little bit by the fact that it's domed by the baby blue vault of heaven, and just that it's baby blue. Uh, I, I, I don't know why, I've, you know. Again, probably very personal, but just the use of the phrase baby blue seems very like I don't know. Uh, well, not epic, I guess is mm-hmm. one way to put it. Like it's very, it's very ordinary. It's like the color you paint uh, a wall mm. in, in, in some suburban house. And so like, there's something again, like, again, it has that, that movement of like, this is epic, but it's also realist or like scientific, but it's also kind of, for me, a little like, you know, there, there's a little wink there of like, it's all a little, little ridiculous, isn't it? Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we do get into the full ridiculousness of it in the last paragraph, where he's telling us about the physical process that people went through to actually glimpse the thing, uh, which actually kind of ties back to a thing I was just thinking, which is that like the sort of poetic description reminds me of like the way that people talk about the the blue marble picture, the picture of the earth from the moon, and like the the sort of majesty of that that gets discussed a lot. And then the fact that the last paragraph is essentially the process of someone like doing that observation, putting themselves outside of the earth space to look back at it and see what's going on is an interesting parallel uh, to a thing I thought that may not be intentional in any way. I think for me, the, the last paragraph Fred describes, you know, the great turtle is mere hypothesis until the day the small and secretive kingdom of Kroll, ah, people <laughs> whose rim most mountains projected over the rim fall, built a gantry and pulling arrangement at the tip uh, and lowered several observers over the edge, right? I'm like, ah, the story begins, right? Mm-hmm. Like, aha, here we are done telling me about the world and we're like going in. I'm, I'm ex- okay, let's pick it up. Let's, let's see where this goes. Mm-hmm. Like, I know for a fact, because again, thinking back to middle school, me in the period where I devoured books, part of the speed was like, some real liberal skimming and reading, right? Mm. Uh, let's just say second book of Lord of the Rings was kind of a wash mm. uh, <laughs> in terms of just like, uh-huh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for me, like, I can see like young kid me starting this page being like, blah, 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 hitting the bottom paragraph and being like, okay, sink in what's happening here. Mm-hmm. There's the things moving because it's like, Fancy, pretty pictures. Okay, uh, maybe I'll come back when I reread this and I decide I like it and want to check it out again. <laughs> but for now, let's get to the heart of what's going on. And I think this that last paragraph, it picks it up. Yeah, the, the specificity of quartz-windowed brass vessel, mm. again, stuck out for me uh, in a positive way. Whereas yeah. uh, the phrase, rim-most mountains project out over the rimfall, 
uh, stuck out for me in kind of a negative way. If, <laughs> if, if only because of the, the repetition of rim. Mm. Uh, Again, I think, but I think that is that like intentional tongue in cheek, like wink and nod of like that, that, that type of repetition in fantasy that tends to happen. Right. In terms of naming, you know, uh-huh. like, ah, the great spider forest. What is it called? The arachno forest. Right. Like, and you know, like mm-hmm. some of the yeah. naming conventions and things that t- tends to be, um, yeah, a little bit literal. Right. Right. Like, like there would much more likely be like a doom mountain in Pratchett and they're like, Oh, why do they call it that? Like, Oh, it's very pleasant. They have a spa mm. or just like, whereas everything else it's like, Oh, like spider forest. Like you want to avoid it. Cause you know, spiders. spiders. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do wonder also like, uh, th- this is a prologue. Uh, mm. and true. I, Fair. I, I know a friend or two who like just skips prologues just <laughs> as policy. Yeah. Uh, I can, I can uh, definitely empathize with that. And I, I just wonder, like, what is the first page of the of chapter one? That's a good point. That's a great call out that this is mm. a prologue, right? That is, it is here to set the thing and it, that I'm complaining about. So, yeah, jokes on me. <laughs> Prologues, in many ways, are the bane of our existence on this show. <laughs> well, do you make the choice? Do you skip the prologue? Do you go into the meat of it? Do you read the prologue? Uh, we so far we've we've been giving the prologues their time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have myself argued that like it's like well the first page is a map like that's what we should read. <laughs> but I don't I don't I don't think that argument has uh, held any weight. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, there's something like I do wonder what the story is going to be when it actually happens, and there is an interesting mix of tone here, and I, I think like. Again, like it's kind of funny. Like all the things we're pointing out are things that are like, or let me rephrase that: the the things uh, that like first time readers of Pratchett are pointing out. The the two of us here mm. uh, are are kind of being uh, supported uh, by Vin with reading some of the like other things. It's like, oh well, like you know, this makes sense because Pratchett, of course, like takes a fantasy idea and then like says like, okay, if this is true, then what else is true? Mm. You know, like that sort of thing. So it, it's kind of interesting. Like there are things here that I like. There's the wink and the nod. There's the uh, like taking things kind of seriously and thinking about what they mean. Uh, but again, like there's no characters. There's no like real dynamism to keep us reading. Yeah. Like this would be a hard thing to keep me uh, in if I didn't realize if I if I didn't know who this was by. I think I would I would probably do the skip the prologue and take a peek at the first chapter and then bounce if it seem promising from there you know yeah that's fair yeah i i will say that uh from my remembrance the color of magic is very much a first novel and is like pretty seat of the pants in a lot of places so it might not necessarily be the best place to start if you really want to get into something very character driven (laughs) the first of the witches novels whichever one that was might be a very good recommendation for that um Sorry, folks. I'll be back in 30 seconds. The dog is making sounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally fair. I'll be right back. Sorry about that. Nix uh, apparently ate his food too fast and threw up a little, but he mm. also found the like one of two rugs I have in the house to do it on. So, uh, yeah, I'm very familiar know. with that behavior. <laughs> 
I, I came home yeah. yesterday, <laughs> day before yesterday, I ran out, like I did a curbside pickup order at Target. And in the time it took me to get there and back, the dog had dumped over the trash. And like, she has a fairly strong constitution, but there was barf mm. everywhere because I believe oh. uh, one of the things that she discovered in the trash was some leftover wasabi. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Poor dog. Yeah. But also, yeah. oh, what a mess. Mm. Yeah. Also, she was yeah. in, in, like emotionally and physically unaffected otherwise. Like she had dinner right <laughs> after. I was like, okay, let's go. Okay, good. Glad yeah. to hear it. I will say, uh, uh, having, I, I don't know when we bought a steam cleaner here, but we have like just a little spot steam cleaner, which mm-hmm. is just like comes in handy all the time. Uh, and also, <laughs> Uh, we have left up baby gates, which are uh, totally useless against the uh, human child, uh, but very effective against the dog child. Yep. Uh, <laughs> in terms of just being like, I can't have you in this room right now. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, our house yeah. is riddled with baby gates and we do not have any children. Oh. <laughs> Checks out. Checks out. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry to break momentum there. Oh, it's um, fine. We're going to have a note here. No, actually, yeah. Do you, does anyone remember the last thing we said? Hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, I think we were talking oh. about the last paragraph and yeah. then and like character driven uh, skipping skipping the prologue for the chapter right and you were mentioning that the color of magic wasn't a really character driven story there's other ones to look at yeah I think if one is looking to start with like the good stuff you might jump to something in the witches or the the night watch lines okay um, and then pop back to the color of magic because there's a lot of good stuff in here but it's not the most organized or necessarily thematically coherent of novels. It's a lot of ideas in, in inside a book. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I like how Goodreads will organize or, or tell you like, oh, this was the 34th book in the Discworld series, but the seventh book in the City Wash series mm-hmm. or like sub series. Like there are, there are so many of these. There are a lot. Uh, yeah. It's a deep well to fall into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I think that's what I said or or tried to say on the previous episode about reading Pratchett that like I I seem to recall that someone told me don't read the first one like <laughs> in the same way that people tell you uh, and this is the same comparison I made I only have like three things and I just keep saying them over and over again in different orders uh, but like like Fast and the Furious the watching order should be like you know this yeah or right. like skip the first season of Parks and Rec which I did not do and finished and was confused why people were excited. <laughs> I, I was like, this is fine. I don't, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I still think there are good things in that season, but yeah, it, it, it is not the show that it became. Yeah, it's one of the situations, like I think very parallel where like there's good stuff, but you won't be invested in it specifically. So if you want to get invested, skip to the good stuff and then come back here for the details. Yeah. Well, actually it's so funny because like, I feel like the, the reputation that color of magic has, uh, at least in my mind, is that like it is very much playing off of existing fantasy tropes and like kind of poking fun at them. Yeah. Uh, in the same way that like Parks and Rec season one is, you know, them saying like, okay, we did the office. Like, can we do this uh, in a different office mm-hmm. uh, with like a few changes? I have a, a tangential question. So looking at this cover, clearly I feel like this is like a newer iteration cover of mm-hmm. whatever's happening. Uh, Vin, as someone who has read this book, how how would you rank this cover in terms of representing what's inside it? Um, this is... 
I, and I guess I should just start by describing the cover a little bit. Uh, it's it's a like light blue cover with uh, blue font for the title of the book and white font for Terry Pratchett, which leads the the, the cover. There's a little green tab at the top that has a p- quote from Washington Post that says "superb popular entertainment." <laughs> um, boy, like the marketing copy on book covers is wild. Uh, and uh, and the the main art is of a suitcase with a bunch of stickers on it. And I assume if I zoom in a little more, there are going to be specific references to things that'll make sense once I've read the book, maybe. Um, but yeah, that's 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 the that's the cover we're looking at here. Yeah, this is very much a cover that was produced by someone who was given a couple of keywords. <laughs> because, like, there is, look, like, I don't want to say that the luggage is one of the main characters, <laughs> but there is a sentient article of luggage that is a main actor. But it's not like that kind of luggage, it's more like a steamer trunk that's a mimic. <laughs> so like clearly someone got a couple of words that they were told were important and then made the most like 2003 ass cover possible yeah this cover does feel offensively generic yeah right? like, like this like is just... this is kind of disrespectful to terry pratchett honestly <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're gonna say that this is the worst hijacking of terry pratchett and well, yeah. <laughs> oh, this just feels so oddly sanitized in this really uncomfortable way. Yeah, I don't know. I was <laughs> amused by the cover. Yeah, like I just pulled up a few more on Google Image, and they're all like all of the more classic ones are very busy, high fantasy. Like, I'm not sure I'd say they're mm. the best covers but they at least convey some of the concept and mood uh, as opposed to just being like, like this looks like something that in like, again, in the mid early two thousands would be called chiclet and stuck in the chiclet section. Like it's that exact cover design (laughs) just on, uh, on a fantasy novel. And it does not make a lot of sense. Yeah. It's fascinating. I have found a cover to a what what claims to be a hardcover edition, which is in fact uh, a turtle with oh. uh, four elephants mm. uh, in a disc yeah. uh, world, uh, which is kind of funny to, to be like, like, well, at least they read the first page. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they got that far. Nice. Yeah, I guess that does explain also uh, w- what you said about the luggage uh, explains. Uh, I guess something like, you know, at this point. You know, Terry Pratchett has become just like uh, a fixture that like I haven't paid. I haven't stopped to pay attention to how they are uh, selling him other than like, you know, the uh, national best-selling author and superb popular entertainment, mm. uh, which all feels uh, like they're not taking him seriously. I do feel like if you're going to have a poll quote about Terry Pratchett, you could do way better than superb popular entertainment from loosely attributed to the Washington Post. <laughs> like, who is that selling this to? Like, who, what, who is that appealing? Who's going to read that blurb and be like, hmm, I wasn't sure, but now I'm picking this one up. Yeah, this Let's is, see. this is the, some of the weirdest branding that I've ever seen. 
because it's like <laughs> it's yeah. absolutely like of its time and place, but in completely the wrong section. Yeah. You know that 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 line on the bottom? Uh introducing the legendary Discworld. Discover where all the fun begins. Oof. Uh I'm gonna say that this is being sold to uh like divorced dads who are trying to connect to their children who they know <laughs> like this stuff. Uh, yeah. Like there's something really oh, no. like there's something really like grasping and like oh that is so specific yeah I don't know there's yeah no, I, yeah the more I, it's funny the more I look at this cover the less I like it yeah um, it's incredible where all the fun begins mm, what a promise yeah like it's even got the little sticker about checking out a sneak peek of the new novel like yeah I feel like book publishing and like what goes into a cover design is this like mysterious and dark world that I just don't understand and would be thrilled to like, maybe you guys can find a publisher who you can talk to or like a cover artist or designer, graphic designer, and just be like, walk me through this. Help me understand. How does a cover like this come together? What, what is the, what is the marketing strategy here? Yeah, we actually do have uh... On our episode about who centered Roger Rabbit, a uh, a friend of ours who does some freelance cover design. Amazing. I feel like maybe we should just pull him in and be like, Morgan, what the fuck is going on here? Morgan, come back. Help. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. I, want, like, I wonder if this is also just something where like someone is given a set of directions and it's like, like this is all I could do. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's curious. Or like, like they gave me some options. They gave me like. Uh, a world on the back of elephants or like luggage. And like, I went with luggage, like someone else slapped this pull quote. <laughs> yeah. Like it's so much the difference between the fact that it's supposed to be luggage with a capital L and this is luggage with a lowercase L. Like the luggage is so specifically a thing. Well, and it's fun looking at old covers and different covers of this, of the book too, right? The book's been out for so long and it's like, seeing how tastes and aesthetics have changed mm-hmm. and, and like the, what, what they're trying to accomplish with it. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not looking forward to when we hit like a, a block of like uh, 18th and 19th century books and like the cover choices <laughs> we have are like, it's like, well, this was, you know, published with like just a, a plain Brown cover with, you know, the title on it. Yeah. Perfect. You know, or the, the 2020 version, you know, done by someone on Fiverr. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Harsh. Again, I had a very nice uh, interaction with someone on Fiverr, and if I ever finish writing that 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 D and D material and put it up on DMs Guild, I hope everyone enjoys the work of that artist. Hmm. <laughs> but some of the stuff is not that. No, that's fun. Well, do we have any any final thoughts on this book or cover or the state of fantasy? <laughs> <laughs> anyone, anyone? I mean, uh, like, I don't know. What was the last like book? Or I'll, I'll extend it to like movie or TV show in, in that was like unequivocally fantasy that you really enjoyed. Uh, and we can cut this if this uh, imperils your job. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any opinion I say will imperil my job. Hmm. No worries. No worries. I'm not required to say it was D&D. Uh, the latest Camel Keep book, which is out on. No, I, I don't even know where our latest product is. <laughs> um, that's a good question. The, the last fantasy thing that probably shadow and bone actually the tv show uh, on netflix that's good um, I've, I've been like eyeing that every time i open netflix 
I haven't finished it yet, uh, which makes me a bad friend because a friend of mine was the showrunner on that show. And, oh, wow. and so it's been really cool getting to, you know, see his vision and, and, and execution on it. It's, it, but I, um, even removing the like personal connection there, I, I thought the series was really well executed and, um, the characters are really interesting and dynamic and diverse. And yeah, it's, uh, it's, simultaneously very familiar fantastical tropes but also told in a way that feels pretty fresh and uh yeah i'm i'm enjoying it so far so mm. first first thought that came to mind i might be pushing our definitions a little bit but uh centaur world is really good i've heard this okay this is on netflix right the animated show yeah it's like so going in i was like there's a good chance that I'm going to hate this because it like, <laughs> it's like a very specific style of character design for a lot of it that like usually like a lot of times I just don't like stuff in that sort of school of design and, and character, but it is probably the best animated musical you'll see in a while. Wow. And like surprisingly deep and not a lot of chaff, which I think is really what makes it. Mm. Um, Sweet. Yeah. Add it to my list. In terms of books, probably uh, if you've read any of the stuff that Ursula Vernon writes under the the pseudonym T. Kingfisher, Mm-mm. she's doing some great fantasy. Uh, probably my favorite is The Seventh Bride, which is a like kind of fairy tale fantasy about a woman who is like forced to commit to marrying this like bizarre magical figure and ends up like living his crazy magic house with his six former wives all of whom are like different bizarre magical things hmm. interesting and uh, uh yeah I, I was gonna say i thought i remember that name coming up recently uh wizard's guide to defensive baking yep was a recent book of hers that <gasps> a lot of people are reading and liking it seems although it's always so hard to tell i haven't read that one it's always funny when you're like, wow, this book is like really popular. Like five people have read it. Mm. Uh, or I don't know. Uh, yeah, so, and of course, m- my answer to uh, to to this question is uh, uh, the Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft uh, for <laughs> now. Uh, I mean, it was very good. I enjoyed it. Um, uh, uh, Rebecca Rowanhorse's uh, Black Sun. Mm. Just uh, for me, it is easier to listen to a book on tape most of the time than to like watch uh, something. So my, my, my watch list is like real long mm. and so is my read list. Uh, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed that. And I guess we'll probably cover that at some point in 20 years. <laughs> uh, it's also fun. Like, like the first book of a series when you're like, Oh, I really liked it. Like, like, well, like I, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but mm. I don't know. That's kind of the, like, it's also funny when like, it's so clear how some books these days are of course sold as a series. Mm. You know, whereas like, you know, uh, Vin and I were just talking about uh, Ursula K. Le Guin's uh, Wizard of Earthsea, mm. which actually, uh, no, maybe I kind of want to reread. But like my memory of it is, is that like it ends, you know, like it, it tells a story and it ends. Whereas uh, this book by Rebecca Roanhorse is very much like, OK, this is this is setting up something. Mm. Um, and I'm very excited to see what that is. Uh, but also like, you know, going into it, you just kind of have to know that like. Like, I might have to reread this when the second one comes out, just to remind me. Hmm. I am very excited to read uh, several new things now. (laughs) 
Actually, oh, this is a random thing, but has anyone read uh, like uh, uh, any version of Monkey King or the the Journey to the West? Sure. I haven't read any. I've obviously seen several because like every time you're watching television, like someone will be like, oh, actually, this is based on a journey to the West. Like what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I read the um, I read a version of it in Chinese when I was a kid. And boy, howdy uh, have there's used to be this really old TV series uh, made in China that was like based on that and so and i think i remember watching most of that as a kid so yeah pretty familiar um so spin off that so i've been watching a show on netflix called uh i think it's the new legends of monkey which i think is the modern australian remake of that show what because it was really popular in translation in australia in like the 70s and 80s what Amazing. It's like very Hercules and Xena kind of style. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? Um yeah. <laughs> what? It's bonkers. What is happening? <laughs> what? <laughs> I have so many questions. Well, uh, yeah, fascinating. Uh I think one final thing to loop back on is, mm-hmm. is uh, has Vince successfully escaped without giving us his deep dark secret for this oh. episode? <laughs> Jeez, it's also tough because I've been trying to catch up. Like, I hadn't seen Blade Runner till like eight months ago. Okay. But I did catch it. So there's there's probably like eight things in like classic sci-fi cinema that I've never seen. <laughs> but my problem is I can never think of things when confronted with the need to make a list. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Is, is not seeing something worse than seeing something and like not liking it? Like if someone was like, yeah, Star Wars. Like I didn't really get into it. Eh. Like. I, I mean, respect that. For me, yeah, I yeah. take a hard stand on shit I don't like. So, like, you'd be like, oh, 2001. I didn't like 2001 at all. <laughs> we might not be the uh, the best audience for judging, like, what is a, a, a crime against art or <laughs> culture. Because I feel like, so far, what I'm getting is like, yeah, like, you know, people like some things, you know. I'm, I'm a big, uh, so, you know, again, um, for me personally, my experience of a lot of pop culture things is like just a lot of big holes and gaps. Cause like, you know, I, I grew up in the United States, but uh, my family primarily spoke Chinese and like consumed a lot of Chinese media as a kid. And I also was like not allowed to watch a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. And so like, there's just these weird gaps that like someone my age would probably normally know in terms of pop culture reference that I have no context for. Or like, you know, I've seen like a handful of Star Trek episodes and don't really have a strong opinion on them. (laughs) Or like all kinds of like these like kind of weird pop cultural science fiction fantasy nerd gaps. So even just for myself, I'm like, oh, it'd be hypocritical for me to be like, you haven't seen blah? Mm -hmm. How is that possible? And I'm like, like, I haven't seen a lot of stuff. Uh, And also, I think it's fun when people are like, yeah, Star Wars didn't didn't really get into it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So... We do definitely have friends who will knife me for not having seen Babylon 5 yet. <laughs> I, I better hide behind you to hope they knife you first and forget yeah. about me. So, Yeah, yeah, same. Uh, <laughs> but like, I mean, that, that's actually why I picked up this new translation of uh, Monkey King at some point. Because mm. I was like, you know what? Like, this is a thing that I do not know of. And like, every once in a while, someone would be like, oh, like, that's a reference to this. And like, I don't, I don't know that. Mm. Uh, it's also funny, though, because people will say like, it's like, oh, like you like. 
Star Trek? Like, what's your favorite? I'm like, well, Star Trek Next Generation. And they're like, oh, why? Was it like the vision of community and ex- exploration? And it was like, like, no, my sister would come home from college and we would watch it together. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. that's, that's why I like totally. it. Like, you know, and I, I feel like, <laughs> like, I don't know how much, uh, how much of people's reactions are, uh, uh, like, you know, like you, you read a book one time and you love it and then you go back to it later and you're like, what, what was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> like, like so much so much of our reactions to art are so like tied to who we are at that time sure that it just seems kind of in in a way like i don't know i i feel like there there's something maybe in the air about like if you like this art you're a bad person and it's like well <laughs> i don't know that we can say that exactly right mm-hmm. exactly but oof. on that well. note i think we are severely over time oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll cut we'll then you'll, you'll, you'll cut all of this out. Uh, Plenty of texts to be made. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just trim it. I trim the part where I didn't remember any D&D products to, to shamelessly push. Uh, yeah. That'd be great. That'd be great. Well, you're, I mean, oh, <laughs> not, not to get into this, but I mean, that's not your department, right? Yeah, so that's true. I, I, am, I am on digital games, so we're working on other yeah. new things. So it is uh, a little tangential. But. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why I felt, uh, I felt fine doing all the buzz marketing. Uh, thanks yep but, i yeah, appreciate yeah, it yeah. <laughs> Very well, fun. Uh, on that note uh chow where can people find you uh, you can always find me on twitter i'm at michael e chow uh you'll usually see me posting too many pictures of my dog makes thanks for joining us on dark and stormy nights I've been your host, Finn LeBate. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Reciprocity, and you can find the games that I write at mrreciprocity.itch.io. And I've been your other host, Ben Blattberg. You can find me on Twitter at InCatastrophe. For show updates, corrections, and occasional bouts of actual research, subscribe to our monthly newsletter at monthly.darknightsreads.com. For everything else... Follow Dark Knights Reads on Twitter or visit darknightsreads.com and we'll meet you back here next time, weather permitting. <laughs>